Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. I'd like to thank you for joining us here on this episode as we begin to discuss being appropriate in the time and season that we're in. You know, as the Lord was talking to me about this, and in light of what's happening and where we are in the move of the Lord and in his end time season and harvest. I was reminded of the parable of the marriage feast, right? We were talking about coming into alignment with those things. And the Lord has an expectation for his people and in preparation of his end time army. And we have to come properly, right? That, that means prepared, but it also means an alignment and agreement with him and each and every individual. Yes, working as a group, as one unit, in one accord. But it also means us individually for our part have to come prepared and doing our part and our role. So in Matthew 22, it says that the kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent unto slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. But they were unwilling to come. And again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited. Behold, I prepare my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went on their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murders and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to overlook the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now I know as we're reading that, it's easy to to gain a perspective where we say, well, that's harsh. And that the guy came. He he received the invitation and he showed up. But here's the thing. That individual was misaligned. Does, does that make sense? He had not come into alignment. If we look at this from Again, talking about the army of the Lord in a military perspective. It's more than just showing up. He is required to fall into formation, to be facing the right direction. It's absolutely important. Yes, the Lord gives grace. And he gave grace in the invitation. But there is also an expectation whether it's that we are, I'll say, grafted in to the kingdom 
into the, the vine. Or we are, through natural birthright, seeds and sons of Abraham. There's still a proper way to arrive, to be prepared. And that's the Lord's expectation. You know, in, in light of everything that's going on today in this nation, but around the world, in the nations around the world, the Lord has the same expectation for those that he has invited. That we would be prepared, that we would be in alignment with him, come properly, or coming properly, being appropriate for the time and the season that we are in. You know, the Lord also brought me to Isaiah 44, and he says this, But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you in the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's, and that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord, and will name Israel's name with honor. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and there is no other God besides me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation. And let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. You know, in this Isaiah chapter 44 comes at a very interesting time. If we read the chapter in its entirety, the Lord began with what I, what I just read, talking about himself, but also what he was going to do, the blessings and the benefits that he was going to give the people. And he says this right after he discusses their shortcomings, the areas in which they had not gotten it right. But then he he again, after talking about the blessings of Israel, which are only found in the Lord, he then addresses, if you will, the folly of idolatry. How foolish it is to go after other gods and to live a lifestyle apart from the Lord. To commit abominations. But then he reminds the people how he forgives and redeems. And he says this, Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Shout for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. 
Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth in a shout of joy, you mountains. O forest and every tree in it, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. And in Israel he shows forth his glory. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, and the maker of all things. Stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth alone. Causing the omens of boasters to fail. Making fools out of diviners, causing wise men to draw back and turning their knowledge into foolishness, confirming the word of his servant and performing the purpose of his messengers. It is I who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited. And of the cities of Judah, they shall be built and I will raise up her ruins again. It is I who says to the depth of the sea, be dried up. And I will make your rivers rivers dry. It is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built, and of the temple, your foundations will be laid. All these blessings and benefits and promises that the Lord proclaims in Isaiah, and even speaking prophetically about how he was going to accomplish his purpose. And as I reflect on what the Lord was showing me and I was reflecting, it reminded me very much of what this nation is going through and how we got here. We decided to, as a nation, as a people, not truly look at the Lord our God, but we didn't realize the costs We didn't fall into formation with him. We didn't come into alignment with him. We were looking or more concerned about a way of life and our way of life than actually following the Lord. We were a people out of the beat and timing of God. Not unlike the individual at the wedding feast. And there was a consequence for that. consequence that we see throughout the entirety of scripture. Here, even as we read in Isaiah chapter 44, the Lord's acknowledging Israel's place, saying, you're my servant. Jacob, you're my servant. And all the things he is going to do and bring them back and to rebuild and restore the things that were taken. Now, again, Isaiah spoke this prophetically. But it is recorded in the Chronicles of the Kings. How they got to this point. As you read this, I want you to reflect on your nation. Because this is consistent throughout every nation. I know especially for the United States. It's in 2 Chronicles 36, we'll begin in verse 10 and read to the end of the chapter. And it says, At the turn of the year of King Nebuchadnezzar sent, oh sorry, at the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the valuable articles of the house of the Lord and made his kinsman Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. 
and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke for the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear allegiance by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests and the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they defiled the house of the Lord, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his word, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or infirm. He gave them all into his hand, all the articles of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his officers. He brought them all to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its fortified buildings with fire and destroyed all its valuable articles. Those who had escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon. And they were servants to him and to his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of his desolation it kept Sabbath until seventy years were complete. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up that the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia, so he sent proclamation throughout his kingdom, and also put in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. You know, as we were speaking even last week about entering into the military, those that had volunteered, there is something about being in the proper place at the proper time. As one of the very, very basic things that they, they teach those in boot camp. And it's not just about getting to the formation on time. It's also about being dressed or arrayed in the proper clothing. You cannot dress in workout clothes or PT gear if you are called to line up in your dress uniform. And then which dress uniform depends on the time and the season. There are a number of factors and each and every one of them matters. You also cannot line up in formation facing the opposite way and expect that you and those around you are going to have great success. On more than one occasion, there are many have been pulled out of the formation and reprimanded in front of all. Actually, even to the point of where RDCs at boot camp would say something to the effect of break their ankles 
if they weren't marching in the right timing and in formation. That, then that didn't mean to actually break their ankles, but it meant to step on their, their ankles and their feet to create that discomfort in order to help prompt them into getting in the right timing and season. Now, thank God the Lord doesn't do that with us. He doesn't do things that would create injury and harm to us. That's not in him. And we, for our part, definitely do things as to our detriment when we are out of alignment with the Lord, when we are not in his timing and his season. You know, as we read this, this account in Second Chronicles chapter 36, you see the people's heart. And it is identical to what was described with our initial scripture, the wedding feast. How the people had other things to do. They weren't humbled before the Lord. They were only concerned about losing their way of life. And it was only when they lost those things that then they said it mattered. The house of the Lord mattered. The articles that were in the house of the Lord mattered. All the treasures of the house of the Lord. All of those things only mattered when they were gone. But did they even truly matter then? You know, as, as I look back with all the, the things that have occurred over the last, well, we'll just say three years in this nation, the freedoms, especially, I can't even say religious freedoms, but Christian freedoms that have been attempted to, well, that many have attempted to take away. Did they truly matter to people? And if they truly mattered, if the Lord truly mattered, and those things that were reminders of him that kept us in fellowship and in communion with him, remaining in his presence, if that truly mattered to us, why didn't we do that from the beginning? Why didn't we stand for him as righteous young men and women of the Lord Most High, as his warriors and his army from the beginning and not have to make this lifestyle choice and decision for the Lord as the attempt to strip away your the freedoms and the liberties that were gifted and granted by the Lord from the beginning when they tried to re- remove those and pull those from you to take them away from you. This absolutely matters. It matters to us, but it matters more to the Lord. His expectation of us is that we come properly in the time and season that we are in. Now, it's also interesting that because he keeps sending these, these people, these prophets, that were reminding the people. But the people themselves, not unlike what we read about here in the marriage feast, they didn't really want to enter. Even when they received an opportunity, it said that the slaves gathered all they found, both evil and good. That the wedding hall was filled. 
But then we see how some, or we read, how some are removed. They did not come prepared. They did not come into alignment. They were, in fact, misaligned. And I relate this back to the military and, and even a boot camp. Because you learn how to come into alignment. How to be in formation, facing the right direction. Where everybody is working as one, as a unit, in one accord. Like the army of God is supposed to function. And it absolutely matters to us. It matters to us today. Because the Lord is doing amazing things. Just like he did then, as we read in in the prophetic words of Isaiah, and even in the, the Chronicles of the Kings, in Second Chronicles. And the Lord did amazing things. And each one references the words spoken through Jeremiah, and that's in Jeremiah chapter 25. It begins in verse 12 when he talks about the judgment of Babylon. It says, there will be, when 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make an everlasting make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it. All that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied against the nations. For many nations and great kings will make slaves of them, even them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their hands. And he continues. But that's where it begins, the prophetic words. But I need, and in, in sense that we need to understand a couple things in this, this story. Because of the people's hardness of heart and choosing to be misaligned instead of actually aligned, properly aligned with the Lord in the and being appropriate in the time and the season that they were in and that we are in now. They entered into captivity and they lost a great many things. And they did not know how they were going to get it back. In Jeremiah's time, he prophesied about 70 years. Daniel talks about how he understood the writings of Jeremiah and in his dream and the 70 weeks being 70 years. But there was also an element of repenting, of of acknowledgement of not being in alignment or being misaligned and choosing to come into alignment. And he made that declaration, that intercession for himself and all the people. And the Lord did move and he answered those prayers. And he made a way where they did not know that there was a way. And even though it didn't appear that there was a way, and we read about it, he brought in Cyrus, the king of Persia. And on the surface, it's easy to, if, if you will, put yourself in that, that place of the people there. And now they just exchanged, if you will, being under one individual in captivity to now having another captor over them. But yet the Lord said what he said and did amazing things 
bringing about their deliverance and granting them freedom through this person. Did they hold it in the right view, though? And I say that because we, this is something that we must recognize. It's no different than the story of the children of Israel while in Egypt. They were slaves for 430 years, seeking for deliverance, not knowing how it would come. But the Lord sent someone. The Lord sent a deliverer. Now, yes, the Lord is the one that moved on their behalf and brought about their freedom, their deliverance, and then even took care of their enemies so that they would see them no more. And all the while, the Lord told them about who he was and what he intended and purposed for them and in their life to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And the people even spied it out. They sent in 12 spies to go look at the land, to see the homes that were already built for them, that the Lord was going to give them. The land, how good and fruitful it was. And they even brought back some of that with them. But yet, even after all of those things, they chose not to enter into what the Lord had for them. At least not that generation. Their words were stout against the Lord. They did not recognize what the Lord was doing and had done on their behalf. And it was a different generation that came in, that brought in, or that the Lord brought into the land and experienced all the the blessings and benefits of it. Now, for the people here, there was a lot of things, and they did not, again, did not know how they would come into or that they would be delivered or freed. Much like, oh, I'll say, many Christians today, again, in this nation, they're looking for the Lord to move, to bring about a deliverance. But also, let's recognize the season, the time that we're in. Much is required. There's an alignment that we all must come into. In this time, there is a lot of overlap. We just talked about how Isaiah prophesied about what the Lord was going to do. And in all these places, it mentions the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. In this conversation, we've already mentioned Daniel. In 2 Chronicles, it ends talking about the Lord... Uh, Thus says Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kings of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Wherever there is among you all of his, that's the Lord's people, may the Lord be his God with him and let him go up. And in most Bibles, the very next book is Ezra, which picks up exactly where Second Chronicles left off and says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, 
Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whomever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor, at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' households of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred up to go and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All those about them encouraged them with the articles of silver and gold, with goods, with cattle and valuables, aside from all that was given as a freewill offering. Also, King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of Mithridath, Mithridath, excuse me, the treasurer, and he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And then it lists the number of the treasures that were in the house of the Lord that were counted out. And some may be asking, well, John, why is that important? Notice the word of the Lord and what it happened. It was in the first year of Cyrus's reign. Cyrus, who was a prince of Persia, immediately got to work on what the Lord had commissioned him to do. In, or I'll just say it this way, being appropriate in the time and the season that he was in. Carrying out the expectations of the Lord, it says in the first year, and these things were done clearly publicly in front of all the nations for the whole world to see. He counted out in front of the treasurer. right? And the prince of Judah. And it's also interesting in this time, if you study this out in your own time, you'll find how much overlap there is, how many people the Lord used. Yes, there was Curly Cyrus, but then we also get into Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah talking about the restoration that was, and the people that were used in the restoration of Israel a rebuilding and restoration, not just of the ways, not just of the culture or their way of life, but of teaching the people how to enter in relationship with the Lord. And it talks about how long before even the law of the Lord had been read out loud. It was a restoration of, I'll say covenant, not that the Lord had broken his covenant, but of the people upholding their portion of the covenant with the Lord. Which is exactly what's needed in this nation and in your nation and this day and age and the time and the season we are in. The Lord is about to use many people for many things in the military and in the, I'll say the armies around the world. Every individual 
has a role, has a purpose, and they must fulfill it. They contribute to the overall success of the mission and of the team. They contribute to the victory. Now, yes, in the Lord's army, his end time army is strong and is mighty. And it's the Lord is the one that is fighting the battles for us. And he also utilizes people to carry out his will, his plans, his purpose, and his covenant around the whole earth. We each have our, our gifts and our role, our part to play in this. And the Lord is about to use many, not just one or two, but many people. And the Lord knows who's, who's are his. And if we seek him, if we are seeking him for his ways and his thoughts, being led by his Holy Spirit, he will give us discernment. He will ensure that we are in his perfect will, which includes his perfect timing. We will be in season. We will be in alignment with him. We will be in formation and facing the right direction to do what he requires of us. Yes, together as his army, but also individually. So I just want to encourage each of us as the Lord continues to move and continues to bring about, yes, our deliverance, but also let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. Put your, your love, your hope, your faith in him because he's the only one that can do it and he is doing it and there is work to be done in the restoration. With Cyrus, it happened in the first year. It was overnight that the people were restored to their land. And there was restoration that needed to happen, a building up and a removing of things that were torn down, that provided no fruit and that were in opposition to the Lord. The stumbling blocks. And they needed to be replaced with truth, which is the Lord which is, he is his word, and his word he upholds above his very name. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He spoke it. Will he not do it? If he did it for them, he will do it for us today. So I just want to encourage each of you with that. Be appropriate in the time and the season that we are in. Every one of us doing his part in the Lord as he's leading and guiding us. Standing for righteousness and justice. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to meeting you next time. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful evening.